Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Are you ready? Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. Break it down! Alright, it is 7.30 on a Wednesday... And as we've mentioned throughout the show, joining us right now here on the program, first appearance with us here in the calendar year 2023. Good to be joined by Texans General Manager Nick Casario. Nick, Happy New Year. How you doing? Uh, morning, fellas. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I figured with the intro music, we were probably going to talk about the sale of the WWE. Maybe we can get to that a little bit later, but... Uh... I'm sure there's other things that are more pressing right there, now that we need to get to. There, so. there, there are, but that is, I mean, as you, as you I probably know Seth's can understand, eyes are like in the back of his head right now. But I mean, <laughs> no, I'm okay. intrigued. I'm intrigued by the business part of it. Yeah, You're, uh, that, that that is uh, that that is. That part interests me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm about as interested in WWE as as, as you are in gambling, Nick. Uh, that, you and you and Sean uh, share a love for WWE the way you and I share a love uh, of of hating gambling. So, See, we have a lot in go. common that way. Which again, not to transition, just to um, funny. I talked to Tony Khan before our game, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, and actually I told him what a great job he's done with the uh, AEW, Sean. So, oh, good. Um, uh, he he liked hearing that. So, yeah, yeah. He's uh, Tony Khan, Shad Khan's son, who runs a who runs a very successful wrestling organization. Yeah, yeah, two successful organizations with their playoff appearance. But, anyways, no. Thanks for having me. You know, I know there's a lot we need to get to. I'm happy to be here. Well, you know what? Okay, that, that that's a good transition, actually. If we're gonna bring up the the Jaguars to Tony Khan, the son of Shad Khan, out there in Jacksonville, I, I was thinking about them yesterday because I was going back and you know looking at free agency grades and all that. We we know how haphazard and random those grades always are, and the Jaguars are a team that faced a lot of criticism from people for going out and spending too much on various guys or too aggressively on guys who are just okay but not studs and you know it it worked out like the, the Jaguars uh, ended up getting a lot of playing time out of not just the bigger name guys like Kirk but some of the other guys so as you as you head into a free agency period like this with more cap space than you've had before is there is there anything you can learn from maybe the way that Jacksonville did it last year 
It's, a, it's an interesting question. I think you're always looking at ways and opportunities that you can improve, whether it's your team, whether it's your process, how you approach the offseason, how you approach the team building, specifically Jacksonville. They obviously did a, a great job transitioning from you know last season to this season. Um, they built a really good team. They drafted well. Coach Peterson came in, and I'd say the relationship between him and Trent, you know, it speaks to their relationship and the job that they were able to do. When you look around the league at some of the other teams, what Minnesota has done, what the Giants have done, again, it doesn't mean there's just a magic elixir, like whatever we do, whomever we decide is the head coach, whatever players that we add to the team, it automatically is going to translate into nine wins, 10 wins, 11 wins. I think what you're trying to do is implement and put together a process in place that's sustainable, that everybody looks at and believes in and understands the direction of what you're trying to do. Uh, Credit to Jacksonville for what they did. And they started the season, I'd say, slowly. And from the time that we played them there, week five or six, whatever that was, at the time they were struggling. And then they ended up six or seven and three over the duration of the year because they just kept moving in the right direction. And it's a credit to, to Doug and the coaching staff, specific to the players. A number of those players that they signed for agency, whether it was Ingram, Malo Zulakan, um, Zay Jones, uh, they had a Darius Williams. Those players had a, a significant impact on their team. So there's opportunities to continually improve your team. We're always looking at ways to improve, whether it's our team, whether it's our process. We're in the midst of uh, kind of getting started here with the coaching search, kind of improve our process there. So you look around a league and you just have to be cognizant of trends, but you also have to be careful of, well, this team did this. We're in the same position and automatically make the juxtaposition. Well, we're automatically going to, the end result is going to be the same. You know, you have to be careful about making that declaration. But there's opportunities to make progress. There's opportunities to move the organization and your team forward. And I think that's our mindset and our goal here as we get started with the, uh, with the new year and headed into the 2023 offseason. Texans GM Nick Casario joining us on the program. Nick, you mentioned the coaching search. So we've, we've seen some of the names that, that there have been interview requests for. Um, and, and I think people are enthusiastic about the names that they've seen so far. Cal was pretty clear in the press conference the other day that the that this is a more attractive job now than maybe it's looked the last couple of years. Do you get that sense so far in the interactions that you've had with prospective head coaches? Is, is it this job is maybe viewed differently now than it's been viewed the last couple of go-rounds? Yeah, it's interesting. The reality is, and I think part of, I would say, my responses to some of the questions there the other day was about being accountable. We're disappointed about where we are with the organization, but we're also excited about the opportunity that we have in front of us. I think we've done a decent job of putting ourselves in a position to potentially continue to move the program forward. Grateful for the support and the resources that the McNair family um, has provided us to this point and is willing to provide us moving forward. And it's uh, the conversations that I've had externally and internally with different folks and different people there's certainly a level of interest in our situation. I think it's a credit to the city. I think people realize it's a great sports town. There's an opportunity in front of us. We put ourselves in decent position. Nobody's happy with where we are, but we're excited about the opportunity in front of us. And and we've talked about this at different points during the year on different topics. There's always going to be a lot of information. There's always going to be a lot of, I would say, news flow and I would say perspectives that are shared. And I think we have to be careful, I would say me personally, and even to the fans and a lot of us, not to necessarily get caught up in it, because what somebody is actually saying 
versus what the reality is are sometimes two different things. And some of my conversations with agents and representatives about candidates who they're perceived not interested in the job, it couldn't be further from the truth. So when you actually talk to their representative about how excited they are about to potentially interview, this is something that they're encouraged by, that they look forward to. It sometimes doesn't always. So what you're hearing is different than maybe what people are really saying. So Again, we can't really get too caught up in what's going on externally. Everybody has an opinion. Certainly, everybody's entitled to their opinion. We understand that. That comes with the territory. We're in a very, I would say, media-driven business, and it's an entertainment business to some degree. But what we have to do is just stay true to our core, stay true to our process, try to do what we think is in the best interest of the organization. And my responsibility and job in all of this is to lead as comprehensive and intensive approach and make a recommendation to ownership that we feel makes sense for the organization. Not what's best for Nick Casario, not what's best for one individual. What's best for the Houston Texans organization and, quite frankly, the McNair family? Well, when you when you ran your last two coach searches, um, you know, with, with the David Colley hire, that was after Deshaun Watson had requested a trade, reportedly. Um, and the Lovey Smith hire was made well. Deshaun Watson still had outstanding legal issues um what was the what was the feel you got from candidates about that like how much what were their questions like do you feel like you there were candidates who just didn't want any part of that Uh, look you just have to acknowledge the truth and what you're dealing with and just be honest about the situation so cal mentioned this the other day right wrong or indifferent this organization has been through a number of things over the last however many years. Like, there's nothing we can do about it. I think we have to. I have to own it. We have to own it. And you just have to be honest. And if you don't really have a definitive answer about what the outcome is going to be, you can't tell them one thing and then hope it results ends in a positive result. You just try to be honest. You try to be candid. And I think as it pertains to our process, it's no different than when you look at your team, how you're playing, is there something that we can do differently? Is there an adjustment that we can make? So whether it's a playing process, whether it's an internal process, whether it's a coaching search process, what are ways that we can improve some of the things that we're doing? And if we had a better result, then we wouldn't be having a conversation here currently. But the reality is we are. All we can do is acknowledge it. All we can do is own it. All we can do is try to improve it and try to make it better. And that's my commitment to the organization, and that's my commitment to the fans in the city of Houston. So each process is going to be different, Seth. You try to take the information about where you are currently, try to portray that information to the respective candidates. Ultimately, the candidate is going to feel a certain comfort level or uh, they believe in some of the things that you're trying to do organizationally. So it's in a lot of respects, it's a very organic process. So until you actually sit and talk with the candidate to kind of get – what are their concerns? What are some of the things that they're intrigued by? That's just part of the process. So once we get started with the interviews, I'd say we have a long way to go here. I mean, the reality is it's probably going to be hard to get to a result for at least two to three weeks if we're just being honest. You don't want to do anything knee-jerk, but in the end, you're just trying to go through your process, try to make the right decision, however long it takes, and get to an end result that everybody can be proud of. Nick Casario, Texans GM, joining us here on Sports Radio 610. Nick, we'll get to some of the more specifics about the team and the roster and the draft in a second, but you brought up the press conference the other day in this coaching search. You you made multiple references 
in that press conference to candidates possibly not wanting you in the position you're in, hypothetically. And if that were the case, I think your words were you'd have to respect that. I've never, I've, I've just, I've never heard a GM say that in advance of a head coaching search before. Do you anticipate interviewing candidates where that's the case, where they feel that way? I think the reality was, and I probably didn't do a good job of conveying the right message. But the point I was trying to make is that I'm accountable for the process, and I'm going to try to do a better job of setting up and managing that process. So whatever comes along with that. So I think that's the point I was trying to make. I enjoy my job. I love my job. I love being here. We've got a lot of work in front of us. I'm not going to shy away from the work. I've never been afraid to put in the work. But I think the point I was trying to make, and you know, I think I drove Landry crazy. But anyways, the point I was trying to make is just I'm accountable. And I understand that I have a lot of responsibility. And quite frankly, I haven't done a good enough job. But we're going to look for ways to improve. We're going to look for ways to move this uh, situation forward. And we're excited about the opportunity in front of us. So I'll take responsibility for that. I probably did a poor job of conveying that. But in the end, the decision that we make, that the recommendation that we make, that I make to ownership, is going to be what's best for the Houston Texans, not what's going to be best for Nick Casario. So whatever the end result is as a result, I think we all, I mean, we're all prepared for whatever the result be. I want to be a part of this. I think I can help the organization. I think it can be a resource for whomever the head coach is. So the the message, the overarching overarching theme was just about accountability mm-hmm. and trying to express that. And I probably did a poor job, which is why you know people kind of looked at me like I had eight heads, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, one thing you did talk about also was that uh, that you guys might do a better job of utilizing resources that are readily available to you that you haven't done as productive a job using previously. Could you, could you speak to that a little bit about what, what kind of resources you're talking about? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are available nowadays. I mean, there's a lot of different, I know this is your favorite topic, Seth, but there's a lot of data, there's a lot of analytics, there's a lot of information available on whether it's players, whether it's candidates, and there's a number of different things that we have. And I think internally, there's some things that we can do relative to R&D, relative to reaching out to people throughout the course of the league. And we have a lot of confidence. I have a lot of confidence in the staff, uh, specifically our, our scouting staff and a lot of the people in our football operations. So to rely on their opinions, to rely on their work, and this organization, it's not a one-person entity. It's a collective effort, and we're trying to be as inclusive as possible. Everybody can't be involved in the actual, let's call it, process or the interview, but we can utilize the people and the resources that we have in our building uh, to make sound decisions because in the end, it's about making sound decisions. It's about using those decisions to drive positive results so I would say that those that's probably an example of maybe what I was trying to articulate or what we're trying to do. So use the resources that you have available. Maybe you use some outside resources that you haven't used previously. Whatever we can do to ensure a positive result, that's the end goal. So like we talked about a little bit earlier, we're always looking for ways to improve. It's no different than, okay, you have something that goes on on the field that you're not doing well. What are we doing to get that fixed? Are we making a tangible effort to actually take some action and improve that particular area? So you take that from the football field and take that to whether it's a scouting process, how we evaluate the player, 
how we evaluate candidates, how we interview candidates, what type of questions are we asking? Are we asking the right questions to induce the response that we're looking for? Is there more that we can do? So there's different techniques and different tactics that we can utilize. And my responsibility is to make sure that we unlock all of those so that we have the information in front of us and we utilize it to the best of our ability so that we can make a sound decision. Does it ensure that ultimately we're going to be right? Well, the reality is, and I mentioned this the other day, I mean, the clock is ticking. So like we're running out of time here. So we have to be able to get it right. And we're going to work our ass off to get it right. I think we're excited about the opportunity to do so. And we look forward to the chance to start the discussion, a dialogue with the candidates here, I would say, at the end of this week and the next week. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. We're talking to Texans General Manager Nick Casario. Nick, just transitioning over to some of the roster stuff, Laramie Tunsil had a great season for you guys this year. He's He's been pretty public about his desire for a contract extension. Is that a priority for you this offseason? He has. I didn't notice. <laughs> uh, LT and I had a good discussion there the other day. Um, he, the contractual things and some of the roster building things will certainly um, take place in due time. Um, and I was honest with LT, and I don't think LT meant any harm by it. But anything that we do from a contractual standpoint and a discussions or dialogue that we have, we're going to try to keep those private and we kind of try to keep that to ourselves. So, um, Laramie has made his intentions known. Um, Laramie had, like you said, uh, Sean, Laramie had a great season. I mean, let's be honest. Like, for me to sit here and say, well, he didn't play, Laramie had a great season. So, what does that mean moving forward? We'll look at all things here relative to an individual status and contract situation. Um, I think LT wants to be here and wants to be a part of what we're doing. So, how that manifests itself in the actual uh, contract and how we move forward. 
we'll have those discussions here at, at the appropriate time because whomever the head coach is, he's going to have an opportunity to kind of look at our team, go through the roster. We'll have a discussion about the salary cap space, how we want to allocate resources. So have a lot of respect for Laramie. Laramie played really well this year. Laramie's a good player. He's been a good player in this league. And as we move forward here, we'll see what that ends up in, in terms of his future as a Houston Texan. But have a lot of respect for Laramie, and I think we'll have good dialogue and discussions here as we move forward. You know, one, um, you know, one thing that's it's hard not to notice is a stark contrast in perception maybe about Laramie Tunsil this offseason by a lot of people following the team um, and how it is now, where I think a lot of people expected Laramie Tunsil might get traded last offseason um, or what have you. And then vice versa, Brandon Cooks was very much seemed to be in it for the long haul with the Texans and then um, was was upset about not being traded at the trade deadline this last year. So is that is that something with the Brandon Cooks uh, with Brandon Cooks? Are you open to the fact that like players change and perhaps there might be a change between the trade deadline and whenever the league year begins this year? Um, or is or should we be expecting that Brandon Cooks gets traded? Yeah, it's a fair question, Seth. I think each situation and each player we have to kind of treat individually. I think more than anything, and not just specific to Brandon, like we were all frustrated about what happened here during the season. And when situations come up, you just try to have honest dialogue, honest discussions. I have a lot of respect and admiration for Brandon, you know, both personally and professionally. And we've had good conversations. So I would say similar to Laramie in some respects, as we kind of move through the search and move through the process, we'll look at everything. And ultimately, we're going to do what we feel is in the best interest of the Texans. So um, I think Brandon showed and Brandon, you know, the last game there against Indy, you know, he went out there and was very productive with his opportunity. Brandon's been a good player in this league for a long time. I mean, he caught, I don't know, 90 balls back to back years in 20 and 21. Wasn't as productive as you, you know, maybe would have hoped this year. But Brandon's a good player. He's helped our football team. He's helped a lot of football teams. I've been a part of some of those football teams that he's helped. So, you know, we'll deal with everything kind of, you know, one day at a time here relative to individual situation. But I think our responsibility is to kind of look at everything and then ultimately do what's in the best interest of, of the Texans and, and everybody involved. Nick Casario joining us on the program. Nick, just taking a look at the rookies, you know, Derek Stingley, obviously, the top of the heap last year, number three overall pick. What are your thoughts on just – how Derek was used when he was healthy and, and out on the field, especially given where he was taken in the draft, it felt like used in a lot of zone. And, and I think he just, I think, I think I know a lot of fans wanted to see him more manned up on guys and things like that. Is that something you anticipate moving forward? We're going to see more out of Derek Stingley and whatever the new defense looks like under whoever the head coach is. Yeah, sure. Whatever we're doing schematically on defense and however we want to deploy our players, you know, will be up to the coaches and the staff. I think the overarching theme, regardless of its offense or defense in the kicking game, is are we accentuating what the player does well? Are we utilizing his strengths? Are we putting the players in the best position to utilize the skills that they possess? So Sting was great to work with, had a great attitude really put himself in a position to go out there week one and play at a, at a good level. So worked hard in the offseason, kind of had a deal with the injury. We knew what we were dealing with when we drafted him. He worked really hard. Our sports performance team did a great job of kind of getting him ready, and the fact that he was kind of ready to go full speed for week one against Indy is a credit to him, and it's a credit to the rest of the staff. Quite frankly, what happened there, I mean, it was really like the last play of practice the week of Washington where, you know, he kind of stepped wrong and, you know, kind of 
tweaked his hamstring there a little bit and then ended up getting sick. So I think he was frustrated and upset there by the end. Um, but saw him running around out there the other day. I mean, he looked fast. He looked explosive. He looked athletic. So Derek's a good player. He's got a great demeanor. He's got a great mindset. He's smart. He understands football. So our job as a staff is to put our players in the best position possible on a week-to-week basis so they can perform their job at a high level. So we're excited about the offseason with Sting and what he's able to do. And, you know, when you look at the top of the draft, look, there's good players out there. Like Sauce had a great season. KT had a great season with the Giants. So Sting's a good player. So we got good football players. I think everybody kind of gets caught up sometimes. Well, this guy did this. This guy did that. Didn't work out. So um, we're excited about the offseason for Sting. Sting did a great job with, you know, the things that uh, he was asked to do, how he approached his business. And once the new staff is in place, so whatever we're doing defensively, then we'll put our players in the best position where they can out there, go out there and perform at a good level. Nick, with the way the league is enforcing late hits on quarterbacks, or, or I think especially the, the driving of quarterbacks to the ground might be the biggest change in the last couple of years, is there a, a, a shifting perception maybe or a shifting um, size dynamic with quarterbacks can a 195 pound quarterback make it in the NFL these days is what I'm asking just say, any random 195 hint, pound quarterback anything? <laughs> no just a, just a, well, all the, the generic players, 100 any yeah. all the defensive linemen look and it, it's so hard if I'm a defensive player if you're a defensive player the notion of your body weight onto the quarterback how you have to go off to the side and I would say it's very subjective. Some officials look at it one way, so at least trying to protect the quarterbacks, let's be honest, and you know, rightfully so, and that's okay. So, again, it's one hit there, one hit there. What does it mean? Forget about anything else. Whatever the uh, position that you play, can the player do the job? How are you playing, if it's specific to the quarterback? What are the things that you're doing offensively? What are the things that you think are important? How are you going to play? Look, there's big, fast players on defense, I'd say, they're becoming more and more athletic. There's more speed. There's more power. There's more explosiveness on that side of the ball. So, again, it doesn't matter how big or small you are. So I played quarterback. I was no good, but I was 175 pounds. But I wasn't running into you know 300-pounders like you. I didn't have to worry about that. So <laughs> um, good football players are good football players. How you're going to use them, ultimately, depending on how your staff is put together, what your team is looking for. Um, that will ultimately be the determining factor. What do you prioritize in a quarterback, Nick, as you embark on this process? Yeah, uh, I have my opinions on that, but also it's going to be like what do we feel is important from a staff standpoint as well. So whomever we have as an offensive staff, what are the things that I prioritize? I would say how I view the quarterback position is decision-making, the ability to play under duress, accuracy, timing, and anticipation. So those are things when you look at that position are important. And I think one of the things that we've seen over the last, call it two to three years, when you look at trends in the league, the quarterbacks are more athletic, they're more mobile, they're able to do more, I would say, outside of the pocket, even within the pocket, the whole RPO element. It's not as if you have most quarterbacks, it's designed runs, I would say, other than maybe Hurts who's a big part of the running game in Philly, and they've essentially built the offense around Jalen to accentuate the things that he does well. So, But when you come, when you get right back down to it for the quarterback, how do they execute the most critical situations, which are third down, red area, two-minute? Ultimately, you're going to have to be able to throw the ball effectively in those situations with accuracy, make good decisions, and be able to anticipate 
what the other team is going to do on the other side of the ball. So I would say those are, I don't know, five or six elements that we mentioned. So then you can get into, I would say, size, strength, speed, arm strength, all those other types of things. But there's so many things that go into playing quarterback. I mean, we could probably spend three shows just on that position alone. Nick Casario, join us. Nick, uh, this is where I ask you if you still got a few more minutes. You okay on yeah, time? Yeah, you betcha. Okay, yep, good. You bet. Good. Uh, Texans GM Nick Casario with us. Nick, along those lines, you know, you, you've one of the top picks in the draft. There's good quarterbacks in this draft. Um, how much does the agent matter in this? And specifically, one of the top quarterbacks has David Mul- CJ Stroud has David Mulligetta representing him right now. How did you leave things with David Mulligetta post all the Deshaun stuff? Is that a factor when you look at this right now? No, it's a good question. I would just say philosophically, my belief has always been to just try to maintain a consistent uh, relationship with with agents and and representatives, understanding there's going to be players each year, and you really don't allow one situation to affect future decisions. I mean, it's not really a good way to do business. So I have a lot of respect for David. David's got a lot of good players. He's had a lot of good players for a number of years now. So you really can't make decisions based off of that. Like you have to look at the player. You have to evaluate the player. Are you comfortable with the player when the player comes in the building? So, and at some point you're going to have a dialogue with the representatives. So the draft is a little bit different because when you draft a player, especially in the first rounds, the contracts are pretty much slotted and you kind of know what that is. But then as you move forward into free agency, so my philosophy has always been never let one uh, situation impact future situations. I think that's just the right way to do business. So uh, certainly not going to dissuade us from, you know, looking at a player. Honestly, it's not fair to that player to eliminate the player based on what some other perceived factor might be again. I've had dialogue with David. We had dialogue last year in free agency about some different players. He's he's had multiple players. He had a, you know we talked. I asked him about a corner. There's various players that we were actually talking about during the Deshaun uh, say trade negotiations. So conversation is always fluid. So I have a lot of respect for David um, and the job that he does, and he has really good players. So our responsibility is to look at everything and not let. It, um, an individual dissuade you from making a decision. So I've never approached business that way. I'm not going to approach business that way. People that know me know that's how I operate. So I try to be consistent in that respect. Um, you know, Sean Payton made some comments about the draft a couple weeks ago. The, they got a lot of press, and he was he, he said some interesting things about going outside of the the size parameters for quarterbacks. And I'm, I promise, I'm not trying to drive you pin you down on a Bryce Young really? question here. But I was no. <laughs> it'll be interpreted by somebody as such, but it's not my fault. I but I am this curious because like Sean talking about Kyle Hamilton last year. But go ahead. <laughs> well, like, but this part. Like you said, when you talk about evaluating quarterbacks, it is fascinating. And and I don't want to take what Peyton said out of context, but you guys are, you know, cousins on that Parcells tree. Um, but it, there is a part of Drew Brees, the evaluation of Drew Brees, that's always been fascinating to me because I've always felt like, you know, if you look at that same guy, if that same prospect came out right now, and he looked exactly like Drew Brees did coming out of college, I don't know if you draft him in the top 10. Because it seems like so many of the things that he did so well, like that timing, anticipation, all that, is it's really hard to project. Is that... Is that a fair assessment, or is it, um, you know, is it is it a little bit more scientific than that? No, that's fair. I think when you let's just talk about college football. So when you watch college football, I would say there's certainly been an evolution in offensive football in the college game. So 
when Drew came out, so whatever that like two thousand ish, somewhere around there, right? Joe Tiller. So at the time, what they were doing offensively, nobody else was doing in college football. So the way they played, it was essentially empty. It was an empty a thon for the most part. And Drew was, I mean, I don't know, he threw for ten thousand, whatever it was. So he was very productive, but there weren't a lot of teams that were playing offensively. And then Drew got drafted in the second round, whatever it was, right top of the second round-ish, if I believe. You know, went to San Diego, didn't work out. Then he ended up in New Orleans. He ended up in a great situation, and he had a Hall of Fame career. So what we have to do is when we evaluate players, regardless of the position, is we can only go off of what we see in college. Like that's their resume. That's the uh, evaluation mechanism that we have to utilize Look at the what they're doing schematically, what they're doing offensively or defensively. There's a good chance that when you draft that player or bring them onto your team, they're going to be doing something different that they did in college. So don't necessarily get caught up in the system. Look at the player. Look at their makeup. Look at their football traits and characteristics. Look at the physical qualities that they possess. And then what are you going to ask that player to do? How are you going to coach him? What's your offensive or defensive system that they're going into? So those are all the things that go into it. And the reality is it's not going to happen overnight. So whether it's even a new player, going a veteran player going to a new team, maybe the transition takes a little bit longer, or a rookie player going on to a new team, we all know what rookies have to go through and the hill that they have to climb, and there's so much newness on every level. So going back to your original question it's certainly fair but you just have to look at everything and then ultimately when that player walks in your building quite frankly they're starting over on every level so you're going to build them from the ground up you're going to introduce them to your program the things that you're doing that you believe in and then how you play offensively or defensively whatever that is that's going to take time to implement and develop and how quickly they adjust and put themselves in the position to go out there and perform at a high level ultimately be based on on the player um, and his progression. Nick Casario joining us on the show. Let me get this out of the way. You're listening to KLT and KLT HD2, an Odyssey station. Nick, you, you, you talked about Derek Stingley Jr., your other first-round pick, Kenyon Green. How important is this, well, first, your assessment on his rookie season, and then how important is the offseason for Kenyon Green this year? Yeah, very. Uh, generally speaking, the transition from rookies to the second year, like that offseason, let's call it, I mean, the offseason starts in April, but it really kind of starts February, March. What they do that period of time is critical. You can make a lot of gains. You can make a lot of advances in a short period of time. So specific to Kenyon, the reality was he had a very up-and-down season. So and kind of got off to a slow start in training camp, was in and out. Then he was in, played decent there for a little bit. I would say middle of the year, went through some struggles, had to face some really good players. I think he baptized by fire. saw what the NFL is about from Murderer's Row to Jonathan Allen to Jeffrey Simmons to, I mean, you go on down the line, right? I mean, it seems like every week we were playing somebody inside. So the one thing about Kenyon, he has a lot of pride. He's very competitive and he's very tough. And I think he learned a lot this season. And I think his eyes were opened up to, you know what? I have a chance to be a good player, but I have to do more and I have to be able to make adjustments maybe a little bit quicker. So I think the offseason of training, strength development, looking at his weight, like anything that he can do to improve, he's going to do. And to his credit, to his credit, despite everything that he went through, I'd say during the season, he probably played his best game the other day against the Colts. And that's a credit to him. That's a credit to Coach Warhop and you know Coach Hunter and the work that they put in. 
And I think I saw him the day after, and he was actually encouraged because I said to him, I said, look, big man, like you played one of your best games there yesterday. I think he appreciated that, but I think his eyes were open to, you know what? Okay, I can play at a good level. I know I'm not consistent right now. I have a lot of work in front of me, but I'm, I can't wait to get started was the overarching theme that he kind of expressed. So that's what you want to see out of your players. It's not easy to play in this league. It's not easy for young players. Everybody's curve is going to be a little bit different. So I think he's committed to having a good offseason. Uh, matter of fact, we kind of met with all of our rookies and kind of said, and the reality, look, people need to get away from football. Like players need to get away from football. There's, they, there's so much that goes into it. It's very taxing mentally and physically. It's probably almost more taxing mentally. So everybody needs some time to decompress, to get away and then start your process of off-season program and realize the off-season doesn't start in April. The off-season starts with doing something February, doing something March on your own. It's not required. Like, I don't want to get fined here, but <laughs> being committed to being a good pro ultimately is the most important thing. And I think Kenyon, along with some of our other rookies, I mean, no, we haven't really talked about all of them, but I think they're committed to doing that because I think they've proven that they can play in this league and be good players I mean, Petrie was, you know, top 10 in the league in tackles, but he, I think he led the league in missed tackles. So there's things that he can do to improve over the course of the offseason. I think he knows that. And I think as long as you care about your job, you take a lot of pride about what you're doing, you have the right mentality and mindset. Like you're going to get better as a player if you're committed to getting better as a player. What, uh, what, what kind of offseason uh, is John Mechie going to be having as much as you're, you know, comfortable disclosing? No, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> he, I'd say there's a chance that he'll be ready for the start of the off-season program, Seth. Uh, I think there's still some things that he has to complete or go through. But quite frankly, it's amazing what he's done to this point. Um, not to get into my workout routine, but on Fridays, I went in there in the afternoon and I'd go through a, a, my workout and John was in there every Friday kind of going through his workout. And he actually looks better now than he did when we drafted him in the spring. Like, huh. he's improved his strength. He's improved his lower body strength. His attitude has been great. Even though he's been dealing with a lot of things medically, but quite frankly, you wouldn't know. I mean, this kid is incredible. He's a special kid. So does that mean, like, okay, he's going to be able to walk out there and catch 100 passes? No, I'm not saying that. But it's been amazing to watch his progression from when we brought him in, kind of to what he went through over the summer, what he did during the course of the fall. And it's really a tremendous credit to him. It speaks to who he is as a person, and I think it's emblematic of the type of people that we have in this building. So he'll probably – have some modifications, Seth. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but at some point, assuming everything goes okay, then I think he'll have an opportunity to participate fully, assuming everything gets cleared. Nick Casario, Texans GM, joining us on the show. Hey, Nick, before we get you out of here, just uh, going outside of the team currently, but certainly a, a Texans legend, J.J. Watt, announcing his retirement, playing in his last game this past weekend. You were certainly part of plenty of uh, staffs that had a game plan for J.J. Watt through the years from back when you were in New England. Do you have any stories of game planning for J.J. <laughs> Watt when you were back in New England? 
Uh, great question. Actually, I would say two Texans legends here over the last few weeks. There's been some relevant news, right? I mean, Andre's nomination. Uh, hopefully, he gets in there, you know, to the Hall of Fame. And then JJ kind of essentially announcing that you know he's going to be done playing football. Um, you know, I actually had a great conversation um, in February when I was hired with JJ. Uh, we spent about thirty minutes together. I told him how much uh, respect and admiration I had for him over the course of his career. Um, I expressed that to him after the game as well. Uh, I would say he was, in my 20 years, 20 seasons in New England, one of the best defensive players that we ever played against. And there was a period of time there where I don't want to say he was unblockable, but if you didn't account for him on every play, he was going to make the play. And that was not just in pass protection. So if he was the three technique on the right side, you better make sure that your slide was to the right side. And if you were a little bit light on the left, that's okay, but we have to take care of 99. And I would say he was big of a pain in the ass in a running game as he was in pass protection because of his quickness, because of his length, because of his overall athleticism. So if you were running a weak side zone play away from him, you better make sure that you could cut him off. And I think there were times we said, oh, we'll be able to cut him off. And sure as hell, like we can't cut the guy off and he makes a tackle in the backfield. So what he was able to do with his length, his overall athleticism, and his overall, I would say, instinct in this, because he had an uncanny ability to, if he didn't get to the quarterback, he would get in the passing lane and use his length and his size to his advantage to knock the ball down. So he was as big of a problem um, as any player that we probably had to face. And we knew going into the game, if we didn't take care of 99, like there's a good chance we're not going to be able to move the football. So we certainly were cognizant of allocating additional resources. But that's what you have to do for great players. Like you have to account for them. You have to tip your cap to them. You can't let them ruin the game. But if you put a plan in place to take care of them, like that's part of, I would say, planning and scheming and not putting yourself in a position to lose the game. So, I mean, unbelievable career. First ballot Hall of Famer. His impact to the city of Houston, I would say, immensely for what he's done, not only in the you know for the Texans organization, but in the community, he's beloved and rightfully so. So he'll be in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, at some point, he'll be in the Texans Hall of Fame. He's a Houston Texan for you know forever. Um, and credit to him on a career that he's had. That was uh, honestly that's uh, that was one of the things that you guys uh, had done. With J.J. Watt and with other – I felt like the Patriots um, always did a really good job of actually understanding the physiology of players because with J.J., you guys would put six hands on him in the first half, the entire first half, because like no matter who you are, if you're a guy that's going to keep grinding, like J.J. would get kind of – like you'd tire him down a little bit. You're like, the, you're like how the bullfighters, you know, uh, put the arrows in the bull to weaken them a little bit. You guys would do that so that by the second half you could open things up a little bit, kind of like the way you made the, the Falcons play man all over the field in the Super Bowl. Well, Seth, you have to do those things. When you're facing yeah. great players, like you can't let great players ruin the game. Oh. It doesn't mean that you don't have confidence and trust in your players. It just means – what do we have to do to win? What do we have to take away in order to have success? And it works both ways. If, yeah. you know, let's take a guy like Hopkins, right? Let's use him as an example. Everybody knows about him. Like the most targeted receiver in the league. So what are you doing to potentially limit his opportunity? So each week there's going to be different challenges that you face. And I think as we move forward, 
Like those are the things that, you know, we have to be cognizant of on a week to week basis. You know, as I think as we put the staff together and we hire the head coach and that's what this week has become. And that's what this week is about. Every team has great players. So there's no doubt about it. Some teams have more better, have better players than others, but each team has good players. You know, we have good players. Other teams have, you know, good players. So each week, what are you doing? Are you putting a team in the best, best position? Are you uh, taking away the people that can affect the game the most? And again, like you said, it was a community effort. It was the guard. It was the tackle. It was the tight end. It was just getting bodies to him. And sometimes with him getting into his frame so he couldn't get up and use his length and bat the ball up in, in the air and, and then run it back for, for a touchdown. Oh, yeah. No, Nick, it was um, – because that, that same year, the game I'm thinking of, it was one uh, – it was a game in, in Houston. That same year, a team that, that you guys will play this year – I won't mention which team it is because I don't want it to look like somehow you were talking smack about them or something. <laughs> there was a team in the league that was blocking J.J. one-on-one with a rookie offensive tackle or using a half roll away from J.J. and letting a running back try to seal on the backside. That was fun. And, yeah, and J.J. had them all. Like, I'm like, this coach is getting himself fired like with this game plan alone. And he got that coach got fired. It was, it was incredible. Like the juxtaposition of the way a few of the teams in the league were treating J.J. versus the, the guy that was definitely getting fired. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> Uh, Texans GM Nick Casario joining us on the show. Nick, we really appreciate the time. I would say I've I've done a pretty good job of not pestering you about Notre Dame guys so far during the draft process, right? I have a feeling that's coming again. It's a long process. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> hey, Nick, we, we appreciate how generous you are with your time. Appreciate you spending some with us, and we'll certainly we'll do it again soon. Thanks. You get back, guys. Appreciate it. Have a good day. You too. Good stuff. Uh, Good luck on the head coaching search as well. Uh, Nick Casario joining us on the program. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway sales event where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning hyundai models like the tech-filled tucson and kona as well as the spacious palisade enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with america's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance but hurry in these deals won't last add more joy to your journey at the hyundai getaway sales event now get zero percent apr or up to fifteen hundred bonus cash on the hyundai tucson now during the hyundai getaway sales event Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. 
When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. 